Thank you for the opportunity to come before you and bring a message from God's Word. Hopefully it's one that's inspiring and uplifting to you and will cause you to stop and reflect. Uh, as I was deciding on what to preach on this week, it uh, seemed like a theme kept coming up over and over and over again. It seemed like the subject of anger was everywhere I looked, uh, some devotionals I read on the news and everything else. So I thought maybe it'd be a good time to talk about the subject of anger. Now, when I think about anger, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is baseball. <laughs> uh, particularly, I think we've all probably seen on the news or been watching a game and we've seen the big brawl. The one that comes to my mind more than anything is this one right here. When uh, Robin Ventura decided he was going to charge Nolan Ryan. And resulted in Ventura getting beat up live on public TV by the much older Nolan Ryan, which I'm sure he had a very good time living that day. <laughs> and also resulted in all the benches clearing in a brawl. But that doesn't even compare to the brawl in 1894 started with a fight between one of the fans from the Boston Red Sox and, uh, and the third baseman of the Boston Red Sox, this gentleman right here. One of the fans started teasing him and it developed into a fight. And not only did both dugouts clear out, but also the entire stadium. And resulted into a big fight. And during the fight, someone started a fire in the stadium, which resulted in burning the stadium completely to the ground along with 170 other buildings that surrounded the stadium. All because one man's anger. Because one man cannot control his anger. Now this is an extreme example I know but it's a very fitting picture of how destructive our anger can be if we leave it unchecked. And anger is a very big deal to God. And Jesus even compares it to murder and says we can face the same judgment. He says, you have heard that it was said that the people long ago, you should not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to the judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, that's kind of like empty-headed, is answered to the court. And anyone who says to him, you fool, will be in danger of the hellfire. Why is it such a big deal to God for us to be angry? Because God knows it will wreck our lives. We've all seen it destroy marriages. We've seen it wound or scar our children and separate the closest of friends. It will cause uh, disunity in the church, as we was talking about earlier. And it will cause us to lose our fellowship with God. That is why in Genesis, God compares it to a crouching lion ready to pounce on and devour its prey if we don't take control of it. And of course, we know that Cain didn't and he ended up killing his brother. Another way that anger destroys us is it destroys our character. We've all seen the movie Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or a Hulk when Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk. Well, that's exactly what anger does. It goes deep into our very being and transforms and changes that. I mean, we've all experienced, or at least I know I have. Uh, one of the worst ones I can remember is I was riding on David Abey's bus and some 
high schooler. I was, I was in elementary school, and I think he was maybe a freshman or something like that. But he said, I have no idea to this day what it was. But it, boy, it lit my fuse. I jumped the seat, and I tried, landed right on top of him and started kicking and beating. And the kids pulled me off of it, but I bit and clawed them and crawled my way under the seat and got right back on top. David Abbey finally had to stop the bus and have a couple people sit on me because I just, I lost it. And that's what anger does. It transforms us. Or maybe a spouses get mad at one another and say some very hurtful words or whatever, but it takes who we normally are and changes that to something that's completely unrecognizable. Instead of the peace and joy that Christ has filled us with, it changes that. It pulls that or removes that out of us and Satan replaces it with frustration and anxiety. We become critical, judgmental of others, which leads us to belittle them and say hurtful and unkind words. It makes us disagreeable, argumentative, and easily offended over the slightest of things. And not only does it affect us mentally and emotionally, uh, but it also affects our bodily, as any poison God does. God didn't design these bodies to have drugs and to have poisons in them. So when this anger comes into us, yeah, our bodies just can't handle it. It uh, upsets our digestive system, whether it's upset stomach or all the way up to ulcers. It can wreak havoc on your hearts with high blood pressure, even as strokes and aneurysms. And we've already looked at the effects it has on our minds. But what about the effects it has on others around us? We often don't stop to think about that. Just like we looked at earlier in our baseball, when, uh, when a char Ventura charges a thing, we just charge right in head first. It can cause scars that will never, ever leave, uh, physically and mentally. I know a young man who was uh, playing with a lighter in a corn crib. The lighter didn't even work, but the dad caught him lost it. Took his belt off and wore him out. He still got scars around one of his legs from that belt. Uh, and also mentally scars. Uh, we all probably, I think, were old enough to remember those little commercials. Have you hugged your kids today? Have you sent them on their way with love? But on that commercial, would have a little kid crying in a corner and a parent screaming and yelling at them, telling them they're no good or whatever. And the kid's saying, did I do something wrong? And that's kind of what it does. It scars these little children. Uh, it devastates their fragile ego and their self-images. And also anger will build up walls and barriers to prevent people from being close to us, to having the proper relationships. No one wants to be around someone who's angry all the time. Or you never know if the little thing you say is going to set them off. And it also builds a barrier up to God because you can't have a close fellowship with God and be angry. It, you just can't do it. Anger is also extremely contagious. Uh, Proverbs tells us this. It says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. We've all seen this uh, at work. I've got coworkers. We talked about Bible class who love to stir things up. Who are always angry or mad about something, and they want you mad and outraged about it too. And if you hang around with them long enough, sure enough, you'll pick that up. Same way with the spouse. If you've got a spouse that's always angry and upset all the time at home, it, it's going to affect you. You will start to pick up those traits, and whether you want to or not, it'll affect you. Uh, children, we're the pattern. That our children follow. Just like a dressmaker has a pattern, parents, you're your pattern, your child's pattern. They will follow. I don't care if you want them to or not. Don't tell them, hey, don't do as I say. It doesn't matter. They're going to do it because you're their pattern. And so it's very contagious. And we need to be very careful. 
Now we've seen what it is. We've seen the dangers of anger, the contagion of anger. Now let's take a little look about how we're supposed to deal with anger. Because as long as we're here on this earth, as long as we're in this flesh and blood, we're going to have issues with anger. Something and somewhere or another is going to cause this powerful emotion to swell up inside of us one way or another. The question is not if we will feel anger, but whether or not when we feel anger, if we will deal with it in a way that honors God or whether we deal with it in a way it's self-gratification, self-seeking. Now, occasionally anger is uh, in a response to an injustice, the mistreatment of others, a righteous anger, if you will. Uh, like the protests going on. Now, I said the protests, not the riots and the looting and everything else, but the protests that are going on. But that right there is a perfect example of the two ways to handle anger. Handle it in a way that honors and glorifies God or handle it in a way that's self-gratification. Uh, we also talked about in our Bible class the example of Jesus being angry in the temple where he made a cord of whips and drove all the money changers and out. That was a righteous anger. The, the people of the time had took God's church and turned it into a money-making scheme, a get-rich scheme, and was taking advantage of the poor. Or maybe it's defending yourself or your family, but in reality, the overwhelmingly vast majority of anger stems from us not getting our way. It stems from selfishness. Uh, you have plans and people don't cooperate with them. You want them to do it this, this, and this way, but instead they do it that. You want to go to the movies, but they want to do something else. They want to go, you want to go to Chinese, they want to go Mexican. Or people don't appreciate you. Uh, you feel unappreciated at work. Your boss doesn't seem to notice all the hours and long work you put in. At home, perhaps you spend all day cleaning house and fixing dinner and, and the spouse comes in and doesn't appreciate any of that at all. Or uh, I know with me, you make something or whatever and you give it to someone, they're like, oh yeah, throw it away. And it, and it does, it upsets you. Uh, and then the big main thing is when we don't get our way. Uh, you're trying to fix dinner, you burn the chicken. Well, you do, you get mad. You fuss and you throw the chicken out. Uh, you're working on something in the shop and it breaks. You get angry. Your car breaks down when you want to go somewhere. You get mad. You're in a hurry and then get behind somebody driving 20 miles an hour. Makes you very angry. You want to check out in the store? You got one person running the counter. You got 30 people behind them. And we get angry. Whatever the cause is, though, the first step to deal with anger is to confess it. Confess your feelings to God. Don't try to hide it from God. Don't hide your frustrations and your true feelings to Him. He knows how you feel. He knows what's going on. He knows what's caused you to be angry more than even we do. <clears throat> Sometimes we don't even know why we're angry. We're angry and we don't even know why. You ever been that way? Just woke up angry, no reason. Just, just woke up mad. Or just in the middle of the day, just, you just feel yourself getting mad. Go to God, your Father, and tell Him how you feel. You'll always find a listening ear, a ready listening ear. You will always find that, that you will feel better when you talk to God and you express your feelings to Him. Ask Him to help you to handle this, to deal with it, to, to put it away from yourself and to find out what it's coming from. The next step is to pin down the actual source or the root of your anger feelings. This is very hard with us because we want to reassign the anger you know, to whatever's close by. You, you know, you can't get, like the song says, you're mad at the cat, but you can't get to him, so you kick the dog. And it, it's that way we tend to focus or reassign our anger on whatever happens to be in range of us. 
For example, you and your spouse have a fight the, the night before and you go to work, a co-worker bumps your desk and spills your coffee or bumps into you, drops your paper. You get mad and you blow up. Now, are you really angry at that accident or are you angry at what happened the night before? Don't take it out on that other person. Same way you have a bad day at work, you come home, take it out on those spouse and kids? No. You need to make sure if we identify the true source of anger and handle that, not try to take it out on anything else. <clears throat> we may not uh, like poking or digging around inside of our hearts, but we need to find out the root cause and to remove that toxin vibe. It might even be something that happened in your childhood. Maybe your parents always put you down or made you feel little or belittled you. And so just the wrong phrase or whatever can set you off, but we need to identify what's really going on and make a conscious sector to, to deal with it. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, as we read earlier, says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. How will hanging on to your anger give the devil a foothold or an opportunity, as some translation says? Because it gives him time to begin to work on you, to twist her thinking with lies, suggesting justification for her anger, ex uh, excuses for her anger, stirring up uh, hard feelings of bitterness, and fanning the flames of revenge and plotting on what will get back at him. Now, some things are kind of easy to get over. Some things are, are trivial and you get over them pretty quick, but other things, maybe not so much. A child killed by a drunk driver, Someone breaks into your house, causes your family to murmur hard. Those things are very hard to get over, but we must release them just the same. Don't sin in your anger, uh, Ephesians 4, 26 and 29. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your sin. And then it follows it up in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And then also in James chapter 1 and 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is one of my favorite verses, and I, I really, this really hits home with me. We all need to be quick to hear. Hear the other side. Hear the excuse. Put yourself in their shoes. Slow to speak. Don't feel the need to lash out right away. Hold your tongue. Think about your words and how they will affect that person, affect the situation, affect the other people that are around listening, and also yourself. And slow to anger. We need to learn to let things go. And in the grand scheme of things, is it really that important? Is it really that big of a deal? We need to just let things go. The next thing we need to do is we need to exchange it. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in attitude of your minds, and to put on new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. <clears throat> Believers are given a new identity in Christ. <laughs> And we're beginning to transform into his image. We must put away the old filthy garments, as it says in verse 31, of anger. And put on a compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, as it says in Colossians 3.12. 
when anger boils up in you, recognize it for what it is. Make a conscious effort to shake it off and put on forgiveness, love, mercy, and compassion. <clears throat> we must release those who have done us wrong. If not, bitterness and resentment will take hold of us and take root and keep us and also that person in bondage our entire life. Only by giving up the right for revenge and payback can we let them go and experience God's peace. Toleration of anger is not an option for a Christian. We can't live in a new nature and hold on to the filthy rags of, uh, of anger. To follow Jesus, we must deny ourselves. That includes our pride, our need to prove that we were the ones that were right, our need to get the last word in, our need to win every single argument. If we accept Jesus' forgiveness, we can't demand others pay for their transgressions against us. We talked about it also in a Bible class, Matthew 18, 23 through 35, where the ruler forgave this man who could not pay. And so he forgave him his debt and turned him loose. And the man immediately goes out and sees someone who owes him money and jumps on him. The Bible says he chokes him, you know, grabs him down and holds him to the ground, shaking, pay me back what you owe, give me my money. And the man says, I can't have mercy upon me. He says, no. And he puts him in debtor's prison and says, you're not coming out to you and your family pay me the money back. And, of course, other people seen this, and they went and told the ruler, hey, this guy you just forgive, this is what he done. So he calls him back in and says, look, I forgave you. Shouldn't you forgive him others? But because you can't, you're going to go into jail right beside him, and you're going to pay me back every single thing that you owe. So we need to keep that in mind. To gain Jesus' peace, we must give up all grudges, all personal rights and hurtful insults, and leave them laying on the altar and not pick them back up. What about you? Have you done that? Do you still struggle with anger and resentment? Is it cont uh, controlling you, stealing your peace and your joy in this world today? It will continue to do so, and you will never know rest and peace until you lay it down at Jesus' feet. Accept his grace and forgiveness and lay down the burdens and release them. If there is any way at all we can help you this morning, do that. Whether it's to pray for you or to put Christ on in baptism and experience his forgiveness and, and help pass that on to others, whatever the need may be, we invite you, encourage you to come forward and let us help you any way we can as we stand and sing.